0: Town makes a good play, though. will find Wiggins who strokes home a three-pointer. Here's Wiggins, into the paint, showing off. An array of offensive skills, perimeter three earlier and then a great drive and score. Wiggins facing up on Gerald Green, drives at him. That's a tough move, some toughness there from Andrew Wiggins.
1: Brett Robson is with us uh, from the Athletic. He covers the Timberwolves along with Johnny Krasinski for the Athletics. Uh, Britt, uh, making shots is a wonderful thing, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. And uh, also making them from behind the arc is even more wonderful. (laughs) Yes, and uh, uh, now we think that they went at him with a, a lot of people want to think that they went at him with a whole new game plan. I think they just moved the ball better than they had previously and made the shots. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. And then the other thing is that uh,
2: Towns was patient in terms of uh, you know not losing his head, which is very important. And they spread the floor a little bit more. Um, and I think that the, one of the big differences was they were purposeful in in getting threes. How often during the course yes. of the season did you see a Timberwolves three that was basically by default, but there really wasn't anything else to do or where to go? I thought this time, uh, the other night, um, they really were, you know, they were stepping into threes. They were doing quick transition baskets where they get down the court, of particularly Wiggins and, and Teague. Um, so all that, I think, played a role. And then it also, I mean, let's face it, uh, Houston had beaten this team, you know, either handily or occasionally slightly less handily uh, six times in a row. And I'm not sure that uh, Houston was uh, – Operating on all cylinders, I think tonight is going to be a lot sterner test.
1: You know, uh, Britt, what's interesting if you read about Thibodeau's history, he is sort of credited by many for pushing the idea of the corner 3 fitting it into the offense and boy we have not seen that uh this year and so many teams use that now to great uh success and it was uh, there was a couple a few of them this time and there's been a few during the season but uh, uh this offense uh certainly uh will uh, look a lot better next year if they get themselves one really good shooter yeah uh, I agree
2: and also I think if you know and and, you know nobody ever wants to hear anybody saying this because everybody is really sick of saying it to begin with but if Wiggins takes that step you know I mean if right now the last three games uh, I think you can make a decent case that Wiggins has been the best guy on the team and uh for that to be said and to know that uh... every now and then this guy gets motivated and shows you a little bit about what he can do not only as you say hitting shots but also just being engaged and and using that uh athletic ceiling that he has in a little bit more productive way.
1: And I've always, I've felt all year he was just willing to be subservient to Butler. Okay, Butler's the man. Butler can do anything he wants. Butler's doing what I did last year. I think he's thought, I think they've started to work on the way that maybe those two guys can play together. Yeah, that's part of it. Also, let's,
2: let's not forget that, I mean, Towns is just such a phenomenally accurate shooter that uh, all the hue and cry throughout the course of the season was, you know, hey, how come we're not getting Towns any touches? Well, now you got a defense that's basically going all out to make sure Towns doesn't get a lot of at least good touches. And so that's more space for Wiggins. Uh, Butler's a little bit dinged up. I mean, he, he really took the reins the other night, but uh, for this team to – even have a remote chance of beating Houston the way Houston is playing defense right now, it's up to Wiggins, and he will be one of the guys.
1: Hey, uh, Derrick Rose, uh, uh, Thibodeau brings him in, he stinks it out a couple of games, and he sprains an ankle, and nobody can figure out why. I thought, uh, kind of all along, he brought him in because he was the guy he could get. Bellinelli didn't want to come here, a couple of those other guys that might have fit better didn't come here. Nobody signed Tony Allen, so... Uh, he, he was looking for, I, I don't know, he obviously loves Derrick Rose. Rose has done what he can do. He certainly isn't a perfect fit, but he's done what he can do, and I think, Rose, I think Thibodeau is looking for another body. Well, I got to tell you, as somebody who
2: royally ripped the acquisition when it happened, I think Rose has been far more valuable than certainly I anticipated, and I would think most people anticipated. Uh, of course, that was a very low bar. I didn't think yeah. he'd be valuable at all. But, uh, you know, he really gave him a spark the other night, and it happened in a couple of the regular season games too. The thing that has impressed me about Rose is that uh, he's willing to work on defense. He seems to yes. uh, regard himself as somebody who's not going to get, uh, you know, wipe, wiped out by a pick or a screen. He's going to fight through stuff. And uh, I think he kind of knows this is his last stop Uh yeah. Everybody else has pretty much given up on the guy, and you have his old coach, his old MVP coach, and uh, if there's a problem I have with Derrick Rose is that every now and then he hits a couple of shots and he still thinks he's the MVP, so you have to right. his lunch to kind of remind him that's not true.
1: And uh, the thing about him is, he, always, he had a reputation as one reason people didn't want him to come in here is they're not a good defensive team, and he had a lousy reputation on defense, but He's now pretty much has to play defense if he wants to play because uh, the, the rest of it is not is not what it used to be. And I, I think that's don't you think playing defense, that's the case with a lot of guys. It's whether they're willing to put in a little bit of effort for you. That's a lot of it. I mean, especially for a veteran who know you know somebody who knows how
2: offenses and defenses work like Rose does, particularly under Tibbs' system, Uh, if you, you know, I mean, if you look at the guys who were with Tibbs in Chicago, they all come in knowing how to play defense. Uh, and so that's, you know, to the extent that Tibbs was right to go out and get all his old Chicago buddies, uh, that's where it helps, is you do elevate the floor on what is a bad defense to at least, you know, uh, mediocre maybe. Uh, and when you have Butler and, uh, and, and Taj in the game at the same time, you know, you can usually sew up that side of the floor. So, you know, it it certainly doesn't hurt to have him. And, and let's face it, uh, this team for a long time, when they would go to their bench, uh, damage would ensue. And, and sometimes that's still going to happen with Rose, but, uh, now, at least, uh, at least on the evidence of a few games, uh, there's always the chance that you might get something out of it.
1: Brett Robson's with us, Brett. Uh, there's, uh, you know, the, the, the highly likelihood that this thing ends uh, rather promptly here because Houston is uh, better than they are. So uh you know, Thibodeau and uh, T- Glenn Taylor sit down and uh, and uh, make, uh, I wouldn't say peace, but make nice here and figure out where they're headed and maybe get Thibs to uh, take a little. De- different look at some of the stuff he does or is that impossible after all these years i don't think tips is going to change <laughs> i don't think at the end of the day
2: uh glenn is going to fire him um you know i heard the you know i heard what he said Mankato and 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 on the radio recently uh i would say that um you're paying a guy three more years at eight million dollars a year. Yep. He just won you sixteen more games than uh, last season, uh, and uh, you two of your top uh, seven rotation players live and die with him, and would flee out of here as as soon as possible. So if you are thinking about replacing Tom Thibodeau at either one of those positions, because I don't think uh, if he tried to split the jobs up, Tib would stay either. But if you are thinking about doing that. You better have a really good replacement who's going to, at the very least, make things better next season because uh, that's a huge gamble.
1: And the other thing I would say is people that he's, you know, obviously not terribly popular with the fans, but maybe that's more uh, social media than uh, people buying tickets because they've had their highest number of sellouts since they were a neophyte franchise. So the people have showed up this year. Yeah, I mean, he presses a lot of buttons, whether,
2: you know, I mean, he's he's not Minnesotan in terms of being uh, passive-aggressive. He's aggressive-aggressive. <laughs> and in terms of, uh, you know, analytics, you know, he'll pay lip service to it to some extent, and every now and then, especially if it lines up with what he really thinks, he'll cite it. But, uh, you know, he's not somebody, he's not an egghead when it comes to the NBA. He's a film guy. He's an old-school guy. Uh, He certainly has his weaknesses, and I'm sure swearing a blue streak in front of uh, the owner and his wife 41 times a season is not in his favor. But, um, you know, I mean, the results are the way they are, and uh, he does have two guys who are loyalists to him who happen to be pretty important members of this team. So... You know, you're in for a penny, you're in for $24 million worth of uh, more dollars. And so, as I say, yeah, there's a lot of negatives about uh, Tom Thibodeau, and and I think he makes them evident himself. In some ways, he's his own worst enemy. But uh, the record speaks for itself, and unless you can improve upon that record, you risk really looking bad. Uh, one thing I will say, last thing I'll say about this is, As much as Tibbs may not be popular among some fans and and some other people, he's very popular among coaches. So if you fire him, uh, you're going to have trouble hiring somebody who's a really good coach or certainly a veteran coach because I think he's universally respected among his brethren. All right, Britt,
1: see you in a couple hours, sir. Thank you. All right. Britt Robson uh, covers the Timberwolves for the athletic and has been covering them for over 20 years for various outlets. We'll be back. Scott Burnside, national uh, columnist for The Athletic on the NHL. Before we get into the firing of Chuck Fletcher, uh, Scott, that goal by Arvidsson last night's one of the great goals I've ever seen in the NHL uh, in the 5-0 Nashville win over Colorado. <laughs>
3: I like it that he only used about a third of his stick to get it done too, right? Like that's wow. the. I had somebody texted me and afterwards said, "Hey, how come he's using the mini stick out there?" But no, you know it was uh, it was it was and it was a terrific goal. It was a nice uh, sort of lob pass. <laughs> I wish I could get my pitching wedge to go like Subhan, in yeah, just uh,
1: <laughs> he just popped it up there, he grabbed it for an eighth of a second, dropped it down, and then went zooming, and he was doing all this damn near full speed. It was an amazing goal, if you haven't seen it.
3: Yeah, no, it's definitely worth a look, and certainly, you know, a a series that, uh, you know, as as Central Division fans, I, I think a lot of us expected Nashville to have a lot easier time with Colorado. Uh, then they did, of course, the series went six games. And good on Joe Sackick and Jared Bedner, the Avs coach, and, and the rest of that team And the, uh, you know, after their horrific season of last year, to, to really give the Predators all they could handle. And the Predators, for my money, still the best team in the National Hockey League. I mean, no surprise after a 117 point season and a, an epic matchup coming up with Winnipeg in the second round. But the Avs were full value for taking it to six games. And, and I think, you know, the f- future, you never know what the future is going to hold in hockey but uh, it certainly looks bright and as long as they stay on the right track um i think the the abs have uh have lots to be optimistic about
1: all right was the vibe in the uh around the nhl as you travel around uh that uh fletcher would be in trouble here if this team didn't uh progress through the first round
3: yeah you know what i i, I was i mildly surprised perhaps and no and only because when you make the playoffs for six straight years, that's that is something. It, it's it's not nothing. Now, when you don't have playoff success, you know becomes a uh, a double edged sword. I suppose the expectations, as they should, for teams who go to the playoffs on a regular basis, and certainly six straight years is is a is a, is an, a feat. You have to show that you are ready to step forward and that you can take another step. And whether it's winning a round or going to a conference final, and of course the Wild haven't been able to do that. And, I guess what surprised me only a little bit is that this was a team that right from the beginning of the season right through to the very, very end uh, was just battered by injury, and that's not something... Anyone can control now. All teams go through it, but I thought there might have been enough mitigating circumstances with the injuries to Ryan Suter and Zach Parise and uh, other players who were certainly playing less than 100 percent against a you know a, that Winnipeg team is, is they're a juggernaut. They're I put them you know, and the standings reflected right. I mean, they finished just a couple points behind Nashville, second best point total in the NHL in the regular season, and they didn't do it by fluke. They're really. Excellent team, well coached, deep, physical—all those kinds of things—and they got healthy. So I was a bit surprised that you know that this happened to Chuck Fletcher, given those circumstances. But I think, you know, big picture, this is—I think it reflects a change in the NHL now, where where the focus maybe shifts slightly away from coaches, right? The coach is an easy mark when you don't have success and you say, well, let's let's get a new coach. Uh, You know, Alain Vigneault has gone in New York for the Rangers. Uh, Bill Peters has just gone in to replace Glenn Gulliton in Calgary. But there's, I think, renewed focus on GMs for, okay, what kind of team are you giving our coach to to put on the ice? And with the emphasis on speed and skill, Um, if you aren't getting it done, I think there is a new focus. I think that's why in Edmonton there's as much uh, attention being paid to GM Peter Chiarelli after a disastrous year in Edmonton as head coach Todd McClellan. And I think those are questions being asked of all the teams that don't make the playoffs or are uh, early exits from the playoffs. Have we built a team that's prepared to play the right way in the NHL? And I think maybe Chuck is a victim of that uh, you know, because they they haven't been they haven't been a team that's been able to take advantage of going to the playoffs and 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 building on it for a variety of reasons.
1: Uh, it would be interesting if Edmonton blew out their GM if uh, Fletcher would become a candidate to be up there. He, uh, I still would imagine he has a fairly good reputation in the NHL.
3: Well, there's no question, and I think, I mean, you have to look at uh, you, you, not no GM. That's a thousand, right? It's just yeah, it, and what, especially when you when you're a GM that 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 swings for the fences. You know, when I go back to a year ago, um, you know, when they acquired Marty Hansel at the trade deadline, I, I think a lot of people looked at that as well. Sure, I mean, this is a very good Minnesota team. Um, the West certainly more wide open. Uh, I think the same was the, you could have said that for part of this year as well until Nashville and Winnipeg sort of separated themselves from the pack, but. That was a good ad on paper for yes. the Minnesota Wild. There was a lot to give up, but he was an important piece to a puzzle that looked like it could take them into the second round and beyond. And of course, it, it didn't work out. They played five games. Marty Hansel wasn't a terrific fit. And it's not about him or the team, it's just sometimes it doesn't work. And when you make the mistakes, that 's what uh, those are the things that haunt you but it 's funny you know the criticism of Kevin Chevaldea for years and years in Winnipeg was that he didn 't make those kinds of moves. Uh, you think of David Poyle in Nashville who has consistently has he's, he goes all out all the time and and you know it 's a team that just until last year had never been out of the second round, but you couldn 't fault David Poyle for not at least trying to you know to make the moves and to, to make the ads that he thought were, was going you know would would, would give him. The final piece of the puzzle, and um, you know, so it sometimes when sometimes you make those mistakes, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, you end up paying the price for them. And I think uh, to your question, I, yeah, I think Chuck Fletcher done a nice job when he arrived in Minnesota. There was nothing very much in that pipeline. The shelf was pretty bare. I think he's done a nice job of bringing in players, it's, but it's disappointing when your young players don't take the step forward that you think they're going to, and I think that's been the case in Minnesota
1: as well. I think the Hansel thing that you bring up is a disaster that's hung over him uh, even into this season. So, uh, Charlie Coyle had a pretty ordinary year here. That whole young nucleus that they've been, that's not so young anymore. Granlin and Niederreiter and Zucker Zucker, who had, uh, Zucker had a great year, but uh, didn't show up in the playoffs. Uh, some of those guys, I don't know who will get moved, but I would think uh, uh uh, one or two of those guys that get moved I'm just I, I would worry if Coyle would have a big market after a year like this
3: well and then the danger <clears throat> when you have players that um, you know have been disappointing and have, and you're right I mean we're we're beyond you know, sort of calling them young men or, or young prospects anymore. They're players who, you know, who need to be making an impact on the team. And, and I think what you know, the cautionary tale is is, is one that we, when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights this year, and you think of the players who were, you know, in that mid. 20s range and players you know i mean the Eric call is a good example yeah, right? right i mean the, the the wild he's 27 so he's not a kid anymore no. um and 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 chuck had to look organizationally and gave up a, a good player and tooch and uh, you know Eric call goes there and scores 29 goals during the regular season and so that you know those are the things you can't necessarily tell so if you decide you know what we're going to we're going to make some changes here, and we're going to try and package Charlie Coyle, and you know, just to shake things up, or to do whatever you think you need to do to, to plug some holes, to find some more offense up front, to get better down the middle. Um, the you know the the potential for him to go somewhere else and start to be the twenty-five to thirty-goal guy that you imagine he was going to be, it is always there, and I think that's you know how you balance your patience for saying, well, okay, how you know. How do we make this team better, and do we have the parts internally to make them better? And we and we need to, you know, to to try again, or to say, we no, we don't believe that this group can do what we need them to do, and then you, then you have to decide which pieces you peel off. But it it is, it, you know, it's it the, the the gamble is is there for not just Minnesota, but for all these teams that are thinking about making changes to try and find the right, uh, you know, the right pieces for their own puzzle, but. Um, you're right. It's been disappointing. It's disappointing when you have players who play well during the regular season but can't get it done. Uh, Jason Zucker is another, you know, is a, I think, you know, terrific player, and obviously had a, a breakthrough regular season. Um, but you know, sometimes it, it takes a playoff year or two to, for them to come around. So, yeah, you know, whoever comes in for Chuck Fletcher will have his hands full because um, there obviously is a good nucleus there. You don't make the playoffs six years in a row without it. But what kind of changes do you make? that you think are going to be the ones that will you know, magically uh, propel you to where you want to go deeper into the playoffs.
1: Uh, finally, uh, Winnipeg-Nashville, you are going to follow them around? or uh, You're on I, that series or not?
3: I, I am indeed. It should be an <laughs> epic match. I, mean, I, I think anyone who watched the, the, the NHL this year always paused where, when Nashville and Winnipeg played during the regular season. They played playoff-style hockey every time they met. And uh, I hope we don't. I hope we don't blow it out of the water before it happens, and, and it's, a, it's a letdown. But I, I think it might well be the best playoff series that w- any of us will see this spring.
1: Okay, I agree with you. Hey, Scott, uh, thanks for your time, sir. and uh, that, that'll be fun. Uh, and there are a little we have a eyewitness report on this show of the uh, craziness in Winnipeg and be prepared to uh, to uh, <laughs> fight your way through crowded streets to get to the arena.
3: I'm looking forward to it.
1: All right, thanks, Scott Burnside. He uh, covers the NHL, uh, trying to give us a little perspective on the firing today of uh, Chuck Fletcher. And one thing that isn't mentioned, the coach. Is only in his second season, and you're on the hook for a lot of money with him. And Fletcher's contract was up, so a Boudreaux's more popular. B, fire the general manager, give his scalp to the fans. You can't give the coach's scalp to him. How many
4: years did Bruce get on his contract?
1: Uh, at least four. I thought it was uh, four. four. Yeah, yeah four. and okay. it's uh, it's a bunch of money. It'd be mm-hmm. like it wouldn't be as expensive as firing Tibbs, but it would right. be uh, it would be expensive. It So would yeah. uh, be like getting you know, rid of Kenny. Yeah. I mean Boudreaux's two and eight in the playoffs here,
0: okay? Yeah. Let's
1: not have any parades. So
0: including losing to the guy he replaced
1: yes, last year. Yeah. All right, we'll be back.
0: Here is Johnny Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. Sunny and 70 Degrees. This update sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salary professional service may be the right solution. Visit AccountTemps.com. Account Temps a Robert Half Company. The Wild announcing today Chuck Fletcher will not be brought back as GM and Executive Vice President. The team will start looking immediately for a replacement. Owner Craig Leopold... Is so there going to be a national
4: search,
1: John, or in this one yeah. it's got to be a hemispheric search,
4: right? A hemispheric, I like yeah. that. Is there going to be a search committee?
0: <laughs> uh, owner Craig Leopold uh, said the team needs now what he called tweaks. Tweaks! Okay. <laughs> We're not good enough right now. Um,
1: I think... What I want to have is a new set of eyes and, and take a look at where our strengths and where our weaknesses are, and somebody will come in who doesn't feel an ownership to certain players, and I want someone to, to take a look at what we can do to tweak our team.
0: Wow. Did anyone
1: notice how much Leopold sounds like Boudreaux? I was just thinking the same
0: thing. Uh-huh. Yep. He yes. does sound like yes, Boudreau. Okay. I have a suggestion. Lindsay Whalen, she could do that. (laughs) Yes. Bring her in. Three jobs. Amanda Castle.
1: I mean, let's get a hockey player, Amanda Kessel.
0: Okay. She'd be good. Now, Maybe she did.
1: could get that bratty, dumb brother of hers in here, too.
0: <laughs> uh, Leopold did say his part Talented dummy. <laughs> you <laughs> know, he's got the weird receding hairline, too, when he takes his helmet off and he's got the giant playoff You hair. are not at the age I to be uh, And I'm certainly not one to Where is uh, he at, Toronto? It. No, he's, he's boss. Boston. Pittsburgh. 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 Yeah. Okay. That's it. Part Quit the, looking at uh, my head, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Johnny. As part of the uh, tweak situation, said he is not looking for a rebuild, and he will make sure all candidates for the job know that. He's hiring the number two guy at Nashville. What the hell are we waiting for? He <laughs> knows the guy from the past. He'll be in here in a week. Wolves Rockets <laughs> again tonight from the Target Center. Wolves won Saturday. Rockets have a two to one lead in the best of a seven series. I got the key to the victory. Make shots. <laughs> More importantly, you, make threes. Mm-hmm. Listen to that basketball mind at work mm-hmm. there. Huh? Uh, Twins move on to New York after getting swept by the Rays. Jake Odorizzi for the Twins tonight. Masahiro Tanaka. I'm
1: done with him. What a bunch of jackies. Already? Yeah, <laughs> the hell with him. April 23rd, they huh? stunk it out this weekend. I'm
4: done with him. I love when the Twins have a three-game losing streak in April <laughs> you know, and you're already fired up about it. So See Fort Myers. <laughs>
0: yeah. here's, uh, here's your lineup to face Tanaka tonight. Dozier. Dozier. Mauer, Sano, Rosario, Morrison, Escobar, Kepler, Ryan Lamar in center field, and Castro. Catching. Oh, so Lamar is
1: playing instead of Robbie
3: Grossman. That's correct. That's,
0: that's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> I can settle for that. One uh, other baseball note, Bob Nightingale reporting that Danny Farquhar is alert and responding to questions from doctors and is able to speak with uh, family members. Might save
1: his life, huh? He was Brain surgery last night to save his life. Uh, Saturday, actually. They did it Saturday Saturday to
0: uh, reduce swelling on the brain after his ruptured aneurysm was successful. He'll be hospitalized for the next three weeks. He suffered a brain hemorrhage in the dugout on Friday. All right, Johnny, thank you. You bet.
5: We now present Manny Hill's Four Deep Thoughts on the Ride with Roycey. A wild
4: weekend. What do you got, Manny? All right. Here is uh, thought number one. Five on the clock.
5: Brogdon. They got to work quick. Brogdon with the left tipped up and in. Giannis wow. with five wow. seconds to go.
4: So the Bucks they uh, even their series up with the Boston Celtics <laughs> they yesterday. Made hard to work that. of it. Yes, they did. They had a big lead and almost blew it. But Giannis gets the tip in uh, with about five seconds left, and they uh, make a defensive stand to clinch the win. One hundred four, one hundred two over the Celtics. They even the series. Well, Giannis wanted to go to a uh, Mexican restaurant <laughs> afterwards. Uh, what well, Taco Bell, right? Uh, no. no, it was called uh, what was the name of the oh, Bel Air was... Bel Air Cantina. Okay, was the name of the restaurant, and apparently they, nobody would see him. <laughs> so he's first of all, he's they don't they're anti Greek or what? I, I I don't I don't understand what what the situation was, but. People, he's 6'11. Right. <laughs> he just won the biggest game of the season for the Bucks up to this point. He's like the biggest star athlete in wisconsin not named rogers and
1: mexican restaurants never close early so it isn't some lazy waiter who doesn't want to have another table sit down right
4: Right, and so apparently he was sitting there and or he was standing there and nobody came to see him or anything <laughs> and so he and so he left i would say the bel air mexican restaurant is now for sale
1: or we'll have a uh have they're a, doing it, it sounds change. like they're doing a
4: they're doing a giveaway free tacos for uh, bucks fans on friday <laughs>
0: okay it so, might be too late
4: yeah Number two.
0: Ginobili fakes, lost it, gets it back, flips it up and flips it
5: in! Exclamation point from Manu Ginobili!
4: (laughs) All right, so the Spurs are not going to win this series. (laughs) Obviously, everybody knows that. But did you guys know that with that win yesterday, for Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, that was their 132nd. Playoff win together <laughs> as teammates, and that is an NBA record for teammates.
1: They've won 132. Playoff 132 games between playoff them.
4: Be, uh, and by the way, Tony, as teammates, they Tony Parker still got some juice.
1: By the way, I
0: saw him yeah, going he, by people. He
4: has he has a little burst once in a while, <laughs> yeah. but uh, he can't. Well, he can't really do it for an entire game. You said like one twenty two, one thirty two, one thirty
0: two, one hundred thirty
4: two wins together as teammates.
0: Baylor and West. Who? Uh,
4: I shoot. think. I think so. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So after tonight, Cat and Wiggy will only need hundred and thirty to go to tie. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Number three. Long rebound. Rubio has it. Rubio for three at the horn. <laughs> Got it. Ooh. Man.
4: So, uh, Ricky Rubio, this is for all the people that love him. This How is was Twitter on... This uh, <laughs> is
1: two hours after the Timberwolves have very impressively won their first playoff game in 14 years.
4: Ricky Rubio puts up a triple-double <laughs> for the Utah Jazz. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, including that long jumper you just heard right before the half. How many uh, points? 26 points. <laughs> two of nine shooting from the, from the three-point line, so that's the Ricky That's that Ricky. we know, we know yeah. but uh 7 of 9 shooting otherwise uh he's, he's gotten better and and you know I think we all thought myself included that this little great shooting spurt that he was having mm-hmm. the last couple months of the season wasn't going to last but he's he's continued to play well you got to got to tip your hat and to him and as a wise man said on
1: Twitter, perfect <laughs> evening for Timberwolves right. fans. They win their first playoff game in 14 years, and that's fun. And then Ricky has a triple-double, and he can still be mad at Tibbs. And he outplays Russell, Russell Westbrook, perfect. yeah. it would still be mad isn't at Tibbs.
0: Isn't it just okay for—and I, I get it. We're all Minnesota fans, so we've got to be angry about something, but— isn't it just a fair assessment to say that this was a good situation for yes. both these players and both Absolutely. these teams? He played his ass yes. off yeah. uh,
1: Saturday night, but it made no difference because no. Ricky had a triple-double. You never traded Ricky. And by the way, does anybody remember they did get a first-round draft choice in the Ricky? Yes. Well, that's right. what I mean, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, it it better, worked better. out really good for both
3: players.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, it was never really going to work out fully for Ricky Rubio here. No. And he get they set him to a great situation, and just be happy that he's is he, doing what religion
1: has well. he converted to though with the beard and everything? Is he, he does with the beard the, and the, did the long did tattoo. He join on his some cult out there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Mormon thing. I think they they don't you know maybe he's a, maybe they he's love become him out there toward, Is he a maybe he's free? a, he's maybe more, he's he's a, a candidate yep. to be the next leader of the uh, Church of the Latter Day Saints? Could be. I don't know. Yeah, we haven't had a Spanish one. I don't
4: think. All right, thought number four.
0: The Raptors aren't going to foul, and the Wizards are going to win it. Oubre to steal. He pounds the basketball hard. Gives it to John Wall. John Wall turns the crowd. He gets them fired up. Hands the ball to the referee. The horn sounds. That's it. The Wizards win game four of this NBA Eastern Conference quarterfinal series, 106-98. And it's all tied at two games apiece.
4: That was Boy. hard to get that out without a breath. Yeah. Um. So the Raptors were my pick to win the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. uh, going into the playoffs, and now I'm having some doubts about them. They kind of reverted uh, back to what they've been the last couple of years when they get to the playoffs, and I don't know. That's and of course, we have right the uh,
1: tragedy up in Toronto today with the terrorism. Are they going to go ahead and play the hockey game? I haven't you know, seen anything. Because that... the basketball team is due to play there, uh, too. Game five is up there yeah, tomorrow or the next day. So I, I'm not sure what they're going to do
4: about it. But
1: uh, yeah, I was all in on the Raptors. You don't yeah. want to have this
4: Weasley-Washington team give you this much of a, a portion. Wizards team that's underachieved all year. Yeah, yeah you don't want to mess around with mm-hmm. them. So Yeah, that would be a disaster if uh, Toronto were to lose uh, for Dwayne. Casey.
1: All right, uh, we shall be back with This Day in History. It is a fine one.
5: Please, we'll be on the air. And now, This Day in History. Patrick?
1: By best estimate, it was This Day in History, April 23rd, 1564, when William Shakespeare Shakespeare was born on Stratford on the Avon and by coincidence at age 52 he died on April 23rd 1616 so he he was born they think because the the birth certificate is found on April for April 26th 1564 and it usually took three days back then to uh, mm-hmm. post a birth, uh, birth certificate. So he died fifty-two years later, uh, at age eighteen. He's a—they think that he went to uh, school in Stratford, and at eighteen he knocked up a woman named Anne Hathaway. Uh, not any relation to the one we know now, she was eight years older than him. Oh. So ooh. he was a horny young guy. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't think it's part of the Shakespeare Shakespeare and love story, which, of course, was the Academy War, ward bought and purchased by the weasel Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, she was eight, eight years older. Uh, he, uh, they had a baby. Then they had twins after that and uh he was it's kind of vague as to what was going on he didn't start getting famous for his plays until the 1590s uh when some guy named robert green on his deathbed wrote a vicious attack on shakespeare's play uh work mm-hmm. his works and his works hadn't really amounted to much uh until then It was uh, 1599 when he started writing this series of, or it was during the 1590s he wrote his series of historical plays. And uh, in 1599, he wrote my favorite, Henry V. uh, And then this was followed later by his uh, Hamlet and Othello and King Lear and all those kind of downer one plays. But uh, (laughs) Henry V., uh, Henry, uh, Kenneth, the great Kenneth Branagh. Nobody's a better Shakespearean uh, adapter to film than Kenneth Branagh. Uh, fantastic actor and a fantastic uh, actor in the adaptions he does. Well, in Henry F- Henry V, he recites the greatest uh, speech ever written for a play in the history of man. Kind as uh, King uh, Henry V and his uh, band of outmanaged men start, get ready for battle.
5: God's will, I pray thee, wish not one man more. Rather, proclaim it, Westmoreland, through my host, that he which hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport shall be made, and crowns for convoy put into his purse. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispian. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand at tiptoe when this day is named, and rouse him at the name of Crispian. He that shall see this day and live old age will yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say, tomorrow is Saint Crispin's. Then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say, these wounds I had on Crispin's day. Old men forget, yet all shall be forgot, but he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in their mouths as household words, Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick and Talbot, Salisbury and Gloucester be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. This story shall the good man teach his son, and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world. But we in it shall be remembered. We few we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother, be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap, whilst any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crescent's Day.
1: P.J., play that speech before you play Wisconsin. Maybe God, you can beat a those PJ. SOBs. <laughs> wow. Instead of your BS, give them a little Shakespeare. Saint Christmas Day, maybe you can beat the Badgers. And, uh, you know, and they don't listen to your crap. Let them listen to Shakespeare. Maybe you'll score a
4: touchdown against that, the Badgers. The, the
1: privilege of dying with King Harry. How good a speech was that? That is, uh, come on, you can beat That's the Badgers with this